This is 105.9 The Region. There are so many ways of communicating these days, but nothing seems to beat the one-on-one. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Welcome to In Conversation. This show is, in my view, upfront, up close, and all about Arlene. Arlene, thank you so much for joining us in conversation. What a thrill to have you with us. And it's my pleasure. I love your show, and I'm really thrilled to be on it. So thank you for having me. Well, let's go back, let's say, 34 years. You're 31. You have four children. You're broke. You're newly divorced. You're down and out. You don't know how you're going to feed and support your children. What happened, and how did you get out of that? Yeah, it's a long story, but the short version of that story is, you know, I was um, going to the divorce and I was on my dad's couch crying and feeling very sorry for myself. And after about three weeks of that, he finally came over to me one day and said, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm you know, having my own little pity party. And he said, Arlene, you know, who do you think is going to take care of this for you? And I said, very hopefully looked at him and said, you? And he said, no, Arlene, you. You have to get up and take care of this, and you have to find a job, and you have to just, you know, get going. And he, he gave me a whole bunch of other words of wisdom, but he really kicked me in the butt and made me get up. And, and I had a, and my ex-sister-in-law helped me get an interview at a TV station and and in sales and co-op advertising sales. And I, I luckily, for whatever reason, got a job there, um, got the job found I was good at sales, found I was good at marketing, um, and found my passion very accidentally and found what I was good at. And so it was about me taking a step through that door. And then when I got fired from that job, Ed, oh. I uh, ended up being asked to go <laughs> to be a partner at Venture Communications, which was a fledgling agency. And what that meant was you can come and work for free and we'll make you a partner, but you can't, we can't pay you because we're, we're broke. Um, so I went there because I had nowhere else to go and uh, decided to just work really hard and loved what I was doing and, and built business. And working really hard, that's something you are known for, but you're also known for making very smart decisions. So you're fired from one job, you land another job that maybe isn't going to pay you until they see the fruits of your labor. Where did you find the confidence to keep on going? I, you know, I think it's a, it, that's an interesting question. I, I think from a perspective of confidence, it came to me as a result of kind of feeling that I had to rely on myself. So it wasn't so much that I was confident, it was that I was, realized that if, it, if I didn't do it, nobody else would. And and I guess you need confidence when you think that way. But I, I was anything but confident in terms of my skills or my abilities, but I knew I had to work and I knew that what I could do was work hard. And so I was confident about my ability to, you know, roll my sleeves up and do what needed to be done. Um, but it, it took time before I became very confident in terms of my knowledge and my skill set. So I think this is something we grow into as we as we continue to work and, and learn. We become more and more confident, hopefully, with time. Um, but, you know, hard work does replace, uh, does kind of cover a lot of that uh, lack of confidence over for a short period of time, at least. It, was it tough working back then in the business world, uh, the venture capital world? You're, you are still and were very smart very ambitious, confident, and beautiful. Tough combination when it's the kind of world that is more often than not, I think back to Mad Men, for instance, but it's kind of, you know, run by men, at least it was back then. Was it difficult for you? 
Yeah, well, back then I was uh, I was purely in the marketing world before I got into the venture capital world, and and but both of those worlds are very male dominated. Um, the finance world is very male dominated, and so is the marketing world at the top. And so, yeah, it was it was very interesting to me. And you know, what's interesting is that I never thought of myself as a woman in business, I or a female in business. I just thought of myself as a person in business, and so I was always surprised when it became any kind of a topic of conversation. And I remember, you know, in the early days, uh, uh, one of my, you know, clients looking at me and saying, you know, what I really like about you, Arlene, is that you're good at business, but you haven't lost your ability to be feminine. And I, it just kind of stopped me. I thought, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. What, does that, what weird. does that mean? Does that mean, I, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, I, like, I, I, I actually didn't know how to absorb it. It was just such a, it was the thought that I hadn't really considered. And I looked at him and I wanted to say, well, I am just being who I am. And I happen, I am a woman. And, you know, I'm not going to try and be more, I guess what he was basically saying is you're not trying to be a man in a man's world. You're staying as a, a woman. But I found it a little bit insulting um, because to me it was about am I good at business, not am I good at business as a woman. Yeah. It's just as I'm a good at business. And I've, and that's something that I've had to overcome my entire career. I've been in business for 35 years now. And that's something you learn to, you know, you learn to just, even on the show ad, like when I was the first, only female on the show, it was always a question of what was that like to be the only woman? And I used to say, well, I don't even think about it. I, I'm there as me and I am a woman and I'm going to stand up for myself as who I am. And so I never kind of thought I was representing the women of the world. I just, but I knew that I, you know, of course I was, but it wasn't my purpose. My purpose was to show up as myself. Hmm. And I think that's what I've learned through this is that, you know, you can, you can think about the, the gender bias that certainly exists out there. You can, you can let it stop you or you can just be confident and comfortable with who you are and let other people have to do the adjusting, not you, because it, it shouldn't be that you have to change to be something else simply because you're in business. So you're growing this career and you're in marketing. You're going to soon make a, a move. Uh, venture capital world is beckoning you. Television as well. But let's go back to your children. So they're still quite young as you're making these moves and you are able to financially support them. How were you able to find that balance between the hard work that you put into your career, but also the love and the time that you spent with your children? You know, um, my kids really grew up with me. Uh, I was quite young when I had my family and I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, as a as a parent, as a business person, I, I, I was very naive about it all. But one thing I did try to do was include my children in the journey, um, and mo- mostly uh, and frankly because, you know, when I went to work, I couldn't afford sitters and I couldn't afford somebody to, you know, come and take care of my kids. And certainly a nanny wasn't even a word I even knew what that meant back then. I didn't even understand it, never did have one. Um, but I think it, it was come to the office with me and my kids would come to the office with me and they would, you know, they would play at the office while I worked on weekends and in the evenings. I mean, you know, in some respects they learn business just by being present with me all the time. And it was the only way I could kind of juggle it all because, you know, this notion of balance as a business person and as a mom and as a wife and as a friend and as a daughter and all these things that we have in our lives there, it's, it's, chaotic sometimes and the only way to try and make these things settle down is to try and 
merge them as opposed to keep them separate. And so that's what I did. Very smart. And, and, you know, as you say, you grew up with them, which I think is quite an extraordinary statement. I think that's wonderful. Love to speak with your children at this point. So you are moving through marketing and you make another big leap. What happened? Where did you go? And how did you do it? Um, so what happened was I'd been on the show for quite a while and I had been investing and, and my marketing company was being run by my senior team and I was doing many things with my life, but you know, all over the place with, with had a lot of interest and always have had a lot of interest. And I realized that on the show were all of these great emerging, you know, consumer goods companies that were in the food and health space and everybody was telling them on the show, all the other dragons and saying, Oh, these businesses will never do well. You know, you're going to get stopped by the big guys. And I kept thinking, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, here we are, a nation of um, that produces amazing raw ingredients, and then what we do is we ship them to other countries so that they can turn them into products so that we can buy them back, and that didn't make any sense to me. So I was seeing all these great ideas come on the show. I was seeing this emerging trend, you know, food safety, food security, uh, health and wellness are becoming really prevalent in all of our minds, um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to try and invest in the space and more aggressively, and I couldn't find a fund that was doing it, so I went, aha. I'm going to start a fund and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to build this. And so for the last uh, six years, we've been busy building a very unique ecosystem that focuses on helping companies in the food and health space. And it's been an amazing journey. And what is the name of that project? Is there a company name for that? Yes. Yeah, so the, the company name is District Ventures Capital, but it's all part of the Venture Park ecosystem. So Venture Park is an ecosystem of six different businesses that are all focused on helping companies in the food and health and personal care space to scale and grow and uh, export internationally. And to, so we fund them, we help market them, we help with the operations, we help with the um, amplification of them, and we help with the mentorship and programming and, and research on innovation. So it's a, it's a big ecosystem now. It's really taken off. We, I love what I do. It's so much fun. And it's very successful. How does the pandemic impact an organization like this and a concept like this? We've been at this now for, what, 19, 20 months, and many people feel that a pandemic lasts three years. We still have time to go. How did it impact your vision and your business? Well, what was what I guess in some respects, you know, when I started this six years ago, none of us would have foreseen a pandemic. And none of us would have foreseen the impact that, you know, what's happened with our supply chain and what's happened with, you know, food safety and food security, as I said, but also just in general um, health and wellness. And so when we started down this journey of building Venture Park and, and creating District Ventures Capital, we didn't know about the pandemic. But when the pandemic hit, all it did was put a spotlight on food and health and wellness. And so these businesses that were in the space were starting to became really attractive to investors. And, and as a result, um, in many respects, it was the timing that was uh, worked for these businesses because they were able to provide what Canadians needed and what international markets needed, which was healthy food and um, an ability to stay well through a very difficult time. Now, that's not to say that the pandemic wasn't incredibly hard on some of the entrepreneurs they invested in because they were very early stage and they were struggling to get on shelves. They were struggling to figure out how to go digital. They were struggling with, you know, just getting um, 
the sales in general. So it, it had impact for some of the earlier stage companies, but for some of the ones that were already a little bit more established, um, it was actually, uh, it actually um, put their trajectory um, in acceleration mode. Dragon's Den, has that helped to open doors for you or to set the scene for your I guess the, your vision to be made a reality. What what difference did and does Dragons Den make to your life? Well, as I said, and I don't know that I would have done this fund if I hadn't been on Dragons Den because it really did open my eyes up to the opportunity that was existing in the space and, and the need for Canadian entrepreneurs to have the capital and support they required in order to build their businesses if they were consumer goods businesses in the food and health space. But you know, on top of that, I would say that it has really given me a front row seat to what's going on in our country, what's going on with entrepreneurs, what's going on, what it's like to build a business here. And it's given me an opportunity to really play um, a role in, I think, uh, amplifying the voices of entrepreneurs and helping them. But also for me, it's made me, I believe, and I hope, um, a, a, a better person it taught me a lot. I, I often say that I got so much more from the show and I have, I continue to get so much more from the show than I feel I give back to it because I learn every day from the entrepreneurs that we serve and I get to see the dreams and the passion and the vision and the enthusiasm of people in Canada who are trying to build businesses and add to our economy and add to their communities and create jobs and all of these things. So I, I love it. It certainly changed my life completely. It made me visible. I'm a person who loves to be, hide behind things. I don't want to be seen. I'm, I, I'm, I'm professionally very confident. I'm personally not as confident. Um, so it was, it was hard for me to be so public. But I think when you have a profile and you have a platform, that it's your job to use that platform to deflect from you personally and to help put a spotlight on things that matter in our community. So I try more and more to do that by making sure that if people are paying attention to me, that I'm trying to deflect it, not not just have the spotlight be on me, but have it be on the things that matter to me and, and using my platform to help support. So I, I'm grateful for Dragon's Den in the, deepest, in the deepest way. When we come back, the haircut that went viral. This is In Conversation with Ann Romer. Is there someone you want to learn more about? Drop us a line. Info at 1059theregion.com. Ann Romer will be right back on 1059 The Region. Welcome back to In Conversation with Ann Romer on 1059 The Region. We are back in conversation with Arlene Dickinson. Arlene, you are famous for so many reasons, not the least of which is Dragon's Den, but I know that you're also a very private person. So what was your reaction to your haircut going viral? It, yes, it did surprise me completely. I was, I was so surprised by it. I, I went, well, I mean, I think, I think it was not so much the haircut as it was what I said about why I had not cut my hair sooner, which was because I had kept my hair long to try and please men in my life as opposed to please myself. Yeah. So I, I think, um, <laughs> you know, what's interesting about that ad is ultimately it's, it's hair. And I had been known for my hair. And in and, and many respects, I didn't like that. I didn't like being known for the gray streak in my hair. I wanted to be known for who I was. Yeah. 
And what better way to test that thesis? Or are you are you are you famous for your hair? Or are you famous for who you are? Than to cut your hair <laughs> and to change the color. So I, that's what I did. By the way, you look smashing. I love the short hair. I don't know what it looks like right now. Maybe you can describe to us because I'm interested just as person to person with you. I think it looks about the same as it did in that picture. A little bit longer, but not much. <laughs> Excellent. So you're you're sticking to your guns, if you will. Speaking of which, you are an honorary captain of the Royal Canadian Navy. How cool is that? Again, you know, when you think when you think about what came out of Dragonstone, it was it was the opportunity to represent um, the Royal Canadian Navy as an honorary captain and to serve and to visit the troops overseas, which I did numerous times. And that, that opportunity, I was in Afghanistan, I think six times, um, that opportunity to visit the troops that serve us every day to make sure we are, have freedom and peace and, and safety. These men and women and these people who give everything, they sacrifice, you know, some of them also give the ultimate sacrifice of their lives for us. That just changed me as a human in a deep, deep way. And so I, being an honorary captain was, is, an, is an honor and a privilege. And it is something that I do not take lightly. I deeply respect um, the men and women in our military and our Canadian Armed Forces, and I'm incredibly proud to serve in the, the Navy, uh, which has, uh, has just been, as I said, it's taught me so much about leadership and about life. And as you look back to your early times as a younger person and somebody starting out out of necessity when you were 31, trying to sort of pull your life back together again, do you wish that perhaps you had entered the military at that point instead? No, I don't think the military would have been for me. I, I, I'm so entrepreneurial, and I, and I don't know that I could have... Um, I'm not sure that the the structure of it would have worked for me as an individual. Um, I think it's a maybe if I was really young and going into it before I kind of found my entrepreneurial wings, I, I, I maybe. But um, I don't know that I, I I'm best served as an honorary captain. I don't think I would have been a good uh, good military um, personnel. But maybe I don't know. I, I I have to think about that. I've never been asked that question. But I don't. I can't see myself paying attention to orders. I'm not sure I would do all of that. <laughs> You're so open and honest and even self-deprecating at a, at a certain point. So let's talk about you spreading your entrepreneurial wings. Did you sprout wings as little Arlene Dickinson? When you were a little girl, were there signs that you were going to be an entrepreneur, one of the top businesswomen in North America? Were there early signs of that with young Arlene? I don't think so. I, I didn't, I mean, I really didn't see myself as an entrepreneur. I saw myself being a mom and, you know, like really, I, I saw myself staying home with my children and that was really all I ever wanted to do was be a great mom, stay at home mom. And I, I, um, I unfortunately got in a place where I wasn't able to be that, that person. And, and that's what drove me into being an entrepreneur. And, and, and it turned out that, you know, I love being an entrepreneur. I, I clearly had it in me. I just didn't ever think that it was there. I didn't know it was there until I was forced to, to do it. So, no, I, I didn't see myself and I didn't see any early signs of it until I was uh, 31. Hmm. Persuasion, your 2011 book, is being made into a TV drama. What 
does or did Marble Media have in mind when they approached you, or did you approach them? No, they they approached me, and I was I was again I was like one of those moments they go, wow, really? Like you're gonna take my, some of my life story and turn it into a TV series, and it was just it was so surreal. That I I still I I still am a bit kind of pinching myself, thinking, wow, this is gonna be amazing. And and they, I think what they wanted to do, and I and I think I know what they want to do is they want to tell the story of a strong woman in business and the you know building a marketing company and what that is like and what that had it, it, it what it is and you know there aren't enough strong business people uh, business women in television if you think about it there's very few you know they're they're generally side characters or secondary characters. Um, or they work inside of corporations, but as entrepreneurs, somebody running and owning a business, if there isn't enough of that story being told, and they wanted to share that story and, and get, you know, I think just uh, help encourage a, a better dialogue and, and a discussion and create really great drama and TV that's going to be interesting and use the foundation of my story to do that. So it's, it's uh, going to be based on my story, but there's going to be lots of fiction in there as well, I'm sure. That's mind-blowing, quite frankly, and I am just so incredibly impressed with with what this is going to mean to your life and to your children's lives and to your grandchildren's lives. You're going to be an executive producer. What does that mean to you? Well, again, what an opportunity to be involved and be engaged in the telling of the story um, and to participate in the series in a way that's meaningful. So I... If you told me this was going to happen when I was 30, I would have laughed at you and said, whose life are you talking about? Um, there's nothing exciting about my life. Nobody wants to talk about it. Um, I can't even imagine a book being written on it. But, you know, time and experience and the opportunity to have lived the life I've lived um, has taken me here. And so I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to do whatever I can to make the series of success. Oh, I can't wait to see it. And when can we see it and where? Well, it um, it's not. It's just getting. Uh, we're just going into the writing rooms uh, here shortly, so it will be. A, it'll be a, a bit before we see it on air. But uh, stay tuned. It won't, it won't, that'll all be announced. Have you got a working title for it yet? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> well, there, there you have <laughs> okay. it. So then... <laughs> it's called persuasion for now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very good. Very good. Well, we'll keep our eyes peeled for that one. So. As mentioned, you are now a grandmother. You officially became a senior in October. How does that feel? Um, well, I often wonder, you know, um, if that's if that's and I and I, it's a fair question to ask. I I, I, often, I don't know if a guy would get asked that question. It's kind of an interesting <laughs> point. I'm not sure. I does, think does, a you guy. Know, would, talk, yeah, I think a guy would have be you asked had, that question. And you know what? I ask it because I just turned 65. So I, I just okay, sharing, okay. sharing that with you. <laughs> well, I listen. How did you feel about? It? Because I feel I feel totally fine. I'm shocked. Like I'm shocked at my age. I I, I still feel like I'm 40. Wow. I still have the energy of when I was 40. I, I'm, I love every age I am. You know what I'm like, sure. We got, you know, I've got wrinkles and everything's two inches lower than it used to be. And <laughs> all of those things that happen with age, but I just feel so lucky. I, 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 I want to live to be 150. I want to live to be old. I, I, I hope I get that opportunity. I don't know if I will, but I hope I do. And 
because I loved my life. Uh, it, it doesn't mean to say there hasn't been moments of depression and anxiety and all sorts of challenges. Um, there have been, but I feel really fortunate. And I feel like I've got so much left to do. So my biggest thing about turning 65 is, uh-oh, I'm running out of time. i got to do <laughs> twice as much now to <laughs> make sure I get it all in. Arlene Dickinson, you are a national treasure and a true pleasure to be with. Thank you for joining us in conversation. This was great. And thank you. And you know what? Here's to us being 65 and happy and doing everything we're doing. And I think we're, we're leading the way because age is literally just a number. So I, I really appreciate the time to talk to you and the interest that you had in, in my story. And thank you for so many kind things you said. You were like very generous with your work. Oh, so thank you. I only speak the truth, as you do as well. So thank you, Arlene, and all the best. We'll be watching for the TV series. Thanks so much. Woo-hoo. Thank you, Arlene. Take care. Follow In Conversation with Ann Romer on Twitter at 1059 The Region. This is 1059 The Region.